My friends, today, of course, is the Solemnity of the Most Holy Body and Blood of Christ, Corpus Christi. Today, we celebrate with great solemnity this central mystery of our faith, the source and summit of our faith, that Jesus Christ, his body, blood, soul, and divinity becomes present on this altar at every Mass. Not symbolically, but truly, we call this his real presence. And we will all have an incredible privilege of entering into great intimacy with our Lord and God through the reception, well, first adoration, and then reception of Holy Communion. Communion, this deep and intimate union with our Creator. This is, after all, what we celebrate today, the sacrament of unity, principally, of course, with him, our Lord and Savior, but also with our neighbor, can bring about this unity, and so we give thanks. Eucharistia, after all, means thanksgiving. And of course, a little over a month ago, uh, many of the kids in our parish received their first Holy Communion. So beautiful, many of them still can remember the exact number of times they've received our Lord in the Holy Eucharist. Such reverence by these kids. You know, it makes me sad that I, I really have no recollection of my first Holy I'm not that old, but I just don't remember. It makes me sad. But I can tell you the exact moment when I began to understand the reality of who we receive at this Mass. July 6th, 1997. Over at St. Andrews, where Father Wagner went, right? A courageous priest. I've told this story before. Many of you know him, Father Fasano. He simply moved the tabernacle to the center of the sanctuary. Such a courageous priest. And importantly, he spoke of the important presence there, the person of Jesus Christ in the tabernacle, and that he the most blessed sacrament would be the center of all we would do in the parish. Nine years later, a novena of years, I received my acceptance to seminary. I think, well, I know it was in July, perhaps even on that same day, who knows, July 6th. Later, of course, being ordained at that same church where I first began to believe because of my father's illness. Yet I wonder if any of this would have happened if Father Fasano stopped at moving the tabernacle to the center. I wonder what my life would be like if many thousands of people that went through St. Andrew's would be like if he didn't follow through with his promise to make Jesus, to make his Eucharistic presence the center of all we did at his parish. I wonder if I would even be a priest. I wonder if... Uh, this was simply an architectural change if I would have heard the Lord's call. You know, it's, it would have been very easy, I think, for me to take that, uh, that moment of grace, this powerful moment of grace, and just allow it to simply fade over time if Father Fasano didn't also preach about him. And sometimes very challenging homilies. I wonder if I would have just allowed this grace to kind of uh, fade away if he and the other priests were not so generous 
with offering the sacrament of penance in the confessional so many hours. I wonder if I would have allowed the Lord to really start to transform my heart and mind if I didn't enter into the community. The first church community I really ever had was after being told who is right there in the tabernacle, joining many Bible studies and other groups. You know, there are many churches with tabernacles in the center that are closing in our country and throughout the world. There also has to be reverence. There has to be truth, beauty, and goodness experienced there. It is easy, I think, to imagine why we have such a crisis of faith in the church these days, a crisis of faith in the Eucharist. So sadly, only about 30% of Catholics even believe what we celebrate on this principal feast day, the solemnity of uh, Corpus Christi. No doubt the priest sex abuse crisis has contributed to this. Unholy priests and bishops are not going to help people come to embrace the reality of our faith. But also there has to be a, uh, well, some, a loss of appreciation for the sacredness in our country and throughout our church, an appreciation for, a lack of appreciation for the invisible reality of what happens here in this mass. There are so many tentacles to uh, uh, this lack of appreciation for the sacredness. Of course, the wackiness that follows the post-Vatican to liturgical forms, uh, no doubt has contributed to our lack of faith in the Eucharist. The lack of generosity by many priests in offering the sacrament of penance, confession, is so sad. Why is it not offered uh, more generously throughout the church? We need to prepare for this greatest of gifts by first meeting the Lord in that sacrament of mercy. Well, perhaps, and I think this is a fact many do not know, the granting of the indult to allow for the reception of the most holy body and blood of Christ in the hand. Did you know that wasn't even allowed in the United States, not allowed until June 17, 1977? Could there be? No doubt there is a correlate. I'm not judging anyone that receives on the hand. That is your right. But it should always be done with reverence. Perhaps also because there has been a, a so-called protonization uh, in the church, an overemphasis on the homily, perhaps, and even on the word, I don't, I love the word, it is sacred scripture, right? I am not saying that these are not important. We need to have good homilies and we need to be meditating on our Lord's inspired word. But if it comes at the expense of the liturgy of the Eucharist, there is a problem, isn't there? There is certain disorder. So as Dr. Peter Kreef said, the Bible is indeed the Word of God, but it is only the Word of God on paper, while the Eucharist is the Word of God in person, in flesh and blood. We are a Word and Sacrament Church. We are both and Church. And so regardless of how lame my homily might be today or how long it no doubt will be, I assure you, Jesus will be right there, truly present on this altar for our adoration during this Mass. Jesus will be right there for our life-changing, life-altering encounter. And he will come to us right here to transform us through this intimate reception.
You know, my friends, I was reflecting on what seemed to me, at least at first, an odd choice of Gospels for this solemnity, the multiplication of the loaves and fish. Why not have uh, the last, I mean, we get Paul in the second reading. Okay, that's pretty good. Uh, but why not have one of the Last Supper uh, Gospel uh, of the Count, that first Holy Mass, where we, uh, that would be uh, required each year. What happened on that day was miraculous, this multiplication of the loaves and fishes. This is not about a sharing miracle. But as amazing as it was, it is nothing compared to what will happen here, right here at St. Veronica's in Chantilly during this Holy Mass today. Perhaps because, perhaps the church in her, in her wisdom uh, chooses this uh, multiplication of loaves and fishes gospel because we need to be invited in to that deserted place. Perhaps it's because the church and our Lord knows that the Lord needs to touch us in our most painful places, these deserted places. The Lord needs to touch us in our shame so he can heal us. Perhaps he needs to draw us to uh, through our restless hearts, draw us to him. He needs to draw us to him perhaps through our loneliness and our hunger for love and our thirst for communion. Perhaps because we do need to hear the Lord say to us, give them some food yourselves so that we can all realize our inadequacy to do so and so that we turn to him in humility. Give him what we've got so that he can multiply it beyond measure. Perhaps because we need to embrace the reality of our mission that Jesus Christ uh, Jesus, the bread and fish, was given by him uh, to the disciples to set before the crowd. That we too are being asked to be instruments of the grace we receive here in the lives of our family and friends. And in doing so, we will experience the generosity of God, this 12 uh, wicker baskets full sort of grace. My friends, I don't believe it's possible to be in the Lord's Eucharistic presence without being uh, transformed by it, without being changed, either in this Holy Mass or in our prayer throughout the week here in adoration. Either our hearts will be transformed, divinized by our encounter with the God of love and mercy, or our hearts and minds will be further hardened because we do not respond to his invitation. We do not respond to the grace of this encounter through a lack of faith. You know, our retreat master at seminary once asked a question that I think is good for all of us to ponder today. What good is it that the bread and wine change into the body and blood of Christ if we do not change into his image? You know, I'm doing a... Um, a consecration uh, with my courage apostolate. Many of the guys in this apostolate are uh, reading and praying with a book with me called 33 Days to Greater Glory, a total consecration to the Father through Jesus based on the Gospel of John. Many of you know Father Michael Gately and have perhaps done the 33 Days to Morning Glory. Uh, 
what an incredible uh, experience I am having and these guys are having. And one of the things that Father Gately spoke about was our, uh, I mean, we rightly understand at the words of consecration that I will say here in a few moments that uh, the bread and wine are transubstantiated into our Lord's Eucharistic presence. This is certainly a climax of sorts during the Holy Mass. But he uh, wonders in his own prayer, and I think he has a compelling argument, he wonders if uh, that concluding doxology through him and with him and in him, all in the unity of the Holy Spirit, uh, in him, O God Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. He's wondering if that perhaps is a higher climax during the Holy Mass. Perhaps that is why we have the first reading and the, and the psalm that mention Melchizedek. Of course, this mysterious figure, no doubt a priest. Jesus is the high priest. What we offer in this Holy Mass, elevating the chalice and the sacred host, we offer to the Heavenly Father his sacrifice. Do this in remembrance of me. My friends, how will each of us respond to the Lord's invitation today for intimate friendship with him? Will we keep him at arm's length? Please, God, we will not. Not reflecting on this great mystery, his love and mercy, his intimacy he desires with us, or will we go deeper? Will we speak to him in intimate prayer throughout this week? Will we visit him in the tabernacle, in the confessional, in our community here? Will we invite him into the deepest recesses of our hearts and souls today as we prepare to receive him in the most blessed sacrament? And then express our love for him and our desire for intimacy with him by turning our lives over to him and expressing our love and desire with a clear amen when we receive God himself in the Eucharist in a few moments. I know it looks like I'm trying to land this plane, but I have to say something about our fathers here. It is fitting that we celebrate Corpus Christi on Father's Day. For fathers, in their very nature, I do believe, image the Eucharist. The fathers sacrifice for us, they do sacrifice for us in so many ways. In doing so, they image the Eucharist, whose matter, bread and wine, are made by grinding wheat and crushing grapes. Fathers give themselves each moment, regardless of whether that gift is returned or appreciated. Thank you, Fathers. So too with the Holy Eucharist. God vulnerably makes himself present to each of us every day, whether the gift of himself is received and adored, whether it is appreciated or not. Finally, fathers have Eucharistic qualities. A father is someone who loves us simply because we are his. A father is someone who knows the worst about us and who loves us all the more because we need to be loved more. A father is someone who believes that we are the best child in the world not because we do great things, but because we are his. These are, of course, Eucharistic qualities because they image God. 
because they image the love and intimacy of God in the Eucharist. May God bless all fathers today and always. And may we all love and respect our fathers more each day. If your father is living, please give him a call or go visit him. If he has already gone to the Lord, pray for him. Today we begin that novena of masses for our fathers, living and deceased. And may we and all fathers better image the Eucharist. We and they are called to model. And may God be praised. Amen. Amen.